0: Welcome to the Ancient Paths Podcast, a journey of unlearning to learn the New Testament church, where we look at what we've learned or experienced and hold it up to the light of Scripture and stories of the New Testament and early church, then discover together how we can return to those ancient paths so the church would thrive and live again. I'm Daniel Sabo, and I'm honored to be your host. I'm excited to have Andrew McMahon with me again this week. Andrew, thanks for yeah. hanging out, for being a part of this conversation. Love it's it. really cool. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about... Uh, really kind of an idea of how to approach a tool and how to approach scripture uh, called prescriptive versus descriptive scriptures. And really the idea behind them is when we read something in the Bible, do we always look at it and say, that is exactly how it worked. That's how it works now. So what they did, I'm supposed to do that. So that would be prescriptive, or it's prescribed for us to do it. Someone did it, so we're supposed to do it. Or is it descriptive, where it's describing something that happened, and so it's just something that happened that I'm learning about, uh, or, you know, somewhere between those two places. Um, and again, I think it's important to note for this conversation, these are not Bible words. This is tools to help us read the Bible today uh, and kind of to know how and what to do with the Bible today. Uh, I think maybe another more plain language of descriptive would be history and prescriptive would be like a command of this is what you're supposed to do. And so how do we know what's history, what's a command, what's something that we're supposed to do with it and what we're not? Does this make sense? I mean, have you had this conversation before with people or?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's an important conversation.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, some of the maybe a a conversation for another day of what's literal, like telling you this is exactly what you're supposed to do or exactly what happened. And what's, you know, metaphor of, uh, you know, it's raining cats and dogs, you know, they had language like that back then too, that kind of gets into the mix. But I think for this, maybe just more the plain context for what, what are we supposed to model and do exactly as they did and whatnot. So, Some of the easy kind of conversations for this, I feel like to start is, uh, Abraham and Isaac, Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice his son because God asked him to, um, God provides another sacrifice. Abraham doesn't sacrifice his son. Is every follower of God called to, at some point in time, take their oldest son up a hill to potentially sacrifice them and wait for God to say something? No. Um, David hears Goliath speaking against God's people, and he, you know, goes out into the field and throws a slingshot stone at his head, knocks him out, runs up, takes his sword, cuts off his head. Is that how we're to respond to every person we meet who says something ugly against God? Yeah. No, we yeah. should. We shouldn't. We shouldn't throw rocks at them and <laughs> chop off their heads.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> you get into some more of the.
1: The timing I said yeah it was, yeah, yeah, it was funny. Was
0: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Cut off his head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't do it. Uh but and then and then you have some that maybe uh, you know, Gideon he puts out a, a fleece. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it'll be wet or well, the ground is dry, and then the ground will be wet and the fleece will be dry, you know, kind of God, if you'll do that, then I'll know this is you. Those are all stories of history, things that happened. Right. That I think if we're using this language, we would say fall underneath the category of descriptive, not prescriptive. Would you agree? Yeah. The The challenge I have with with this, and again, because this isn't Bible words to use about, like, there's not a verse that says, make sure you do this with prescriptive and this with descriptive. Um, I think it's it's become kind of a tool that some of the church used to excuse themselves from uh, the Bible <laughs> and what it says the, where, where it's pretty easy just to be like, yeah, that was, was history. You know, that was right. just something that, it, and then.
1: Or even like culturally, like that, that was just for their culture and time period. Right. You know, now it's different. Right.
0: And so I think there's a, there's a benefit to this conversation, but I think there's also a trap in it. Kind of some of the, I wrote down some of the possible, um, is it what you should do, what you can do and what like you can't do kind of thing. Cause the two ditches to this, I would say is when you take something and say, um, well, do I have to do that just because they did it? That speaks to a heart issue. You know, just because they did it, I don't have to do it right. Like, just because Paul lived that way, do I have to live that way? Just because, you know, Jesus spoke to people like that. Do, he didn't tell me I had to. Mm. I, I think that's that speaks to a heart issue that's a problem. Mm. And I think it sounds like you're being a good Bible student by saying, no, that was descriptive, not prescriptive. Therefore, I don't have to. But really what you're saying is Jesus lived in this way and didn't absolutely require me to do the same thing. Therefore, I don't have to. I'm 100% excused from that historical thing that took place, or Jesus, or Paul, or whomever. The other side, the other ditch to fall into is this is how it worked, and so you have to do exactly what they did also, or else you're not following what Scripture said. So an example, let's go back to the uh, Abraham and Isaac. Is the story of Abraham and Isaac just a story about something that happened to somebody that doesn't matter to me? Like there's no application for me other than it happened in history. No. Well, there's nothing in scripture that I do nothing with, right? I mean, all of it accomplishes something. And I would say all of it will do something in my life. Yeah, uh, all, all of it will impact the way that I live, the way that I interact, speak, you know, uh, all aspects of my life. So, again, I think that's where the descriptive part is. That's just a thing that happened. Doesn't It doesn't matter. I think you look at passages like where Paul said, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, like, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. That word follow <clears throat> is the word like mimic. Mm-hmm. What you see me doing, do that. Yeah. Like as I am mimicking Christ's life, mimic my life, and so we're called to mimic Christ's life. So, is there an element to everything Christ did is sort of prescriptive?
1: Mm. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah. Or yeah, what, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say, yeah, no. Like I'm not <laughs> called I'm not called to die on a cross right. like he did. Right. You know, and so yes, Paul is saying, Follow me as I follow Christ and so yes, there's you know, there is a measure where Christ is our example and pattern and also um there's aspects of his life that were certainly descriptive versus prescribing for us a way to or what to you know, different things to walk in. Yeah although like you said there it can be an excuse to to not walk in all that God is calling us to walk in
0: because yeah, it it would be really easy to say well that was what Jesus did and right you know he didn't tell me to do all these things that he did so i don't have to yeah but paul sure did a lot of the things yeah that Jesus did not all of them you well, know obviously yeah. uh but his life looked a lot like Jesus's life
1: well even even in that i mean you know what is it philippians you know he jesus humbled himself even to the point of death death on the cross and most of the 12 humbled themselves to the point of death and yeah. so it wasn't necessarily like that has to be true for every believer for all time but like even even in a descriptive part of the story of christ of him dying on the cross for the sins of the world there there is this prescriptive aspect of he laid down his life, right. the full expression of love. And we see Paul doing that, laying right. down his life um, to preach the gospel. And we see that modeled, you know, even in their desire, Paul would say, you know, I, to fellowship with Christ and his suffering. Right. You know, it's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, well, I mean, what are ways to know the difference like, yeah. and to not get caught in um, maybe either of these traps? I think I think maybe my answer is
0: somewhat extreme uh in how I view this potentially, but um I, I feel like when I look at Abraham and Isaac, you know, going up mm-hmm. up the hill, there's something there for me. So what is it? Well, I need to trust God's instruction more than You know, my practical mind can wrap around.
1: Reason, logic. Right.
0: The things that are important to me still need to be submitted to how important he is to me. Um, You know, my oldest son, Isaiah, when he was really young, I, you know, I feel like relatively harmlessly, I was just dreaming about what he was going to do. You know, it's my first son excited about his future. He's a baby. He's very, very small at this point. And I'm just driving into work thinking like, I wonder if he's going to, you know, be in the army like I am. I wonder if he's going to be a, a business owner. I wonder if he'll be a pastor. I wonder if, and I, my mind just kind of started going to, um, what kind of man is he going to be and how do I, as a dad, help him get there? And, you know, it was nowhere where my mind was, but the Lord met me in my car and he said, this, your son, this son, he belongs to me Mm. and you don't get to plan and prepare what his life is going to be like. I have a purpose for his life and you need to submit to me and what I'm doing. And it was maybe a rebuke, maybe a challenge, maybe an encouragement, maybe a whatever, but um, by no means am I saying it was Abraham, Isaac level, faith. But his whole life, I've had to submit to that word. Now that he's in his 20s, yeah. it's harder than when he was younger, I feel like, because it's now he's making the choices and doing the things to become that, that man that God has called him to. And so there is a very smaller version of, but a very real application of Abraham and Isaac for me in my life for man, I want to raise my sons and daughters up to do these amazing things and for God to use them in amazing ways. And, and, and there is a real surrender uh, of giving back to God, yeah. you know, in my life as a dad. I think if I was to view Abraham and Isaac as descriptive in the sense that I think many people use that word descriptive, there's nothing there for me. Mm. That that Abraham did that. God's the kind of God who asked Abraham to do that. Interesting history versus how does that pass through time to me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think in the same way with Jesus, um, you know, Paul said, mimic me as I mimic Christ. So what is Paul doing? He's mimicking Christ. Right. Does that mean he's not hearing from God? Of course not. The Bible actually talks about Paul and his journeys. He wanted to go into this area, but the Holy Spirit prevented him like told don't go that way go this way which that alone I think is I hear all the time people say just just do what you want to do like you know it doesn't really matter God doesn't care like just love people and be kind and man God there's there's so many times where God said don't go that way go this way you know be listening for God to lead you I mean he's gonna he cares about your life he cares about what you're doing where you're going and and so uh but Paul, Paul is saying, like, I'm modeling my life after the life of Jesus. As you're following me, yeah, model your life after me like I'm modeling my life after Jesus. And he's not saying Paul instead of Jesus, but I think it's really a discipleship principle that that he's been living this like between you and him is a shorter distance than between you and Christ. And so let him kind of be a step to help you, you know, walk in what God has called you to, or into the kind of, you know, man or woman that God is calling you to be. But again, you know, Jesus said, all the works that I did, you'll, you'll do those and more. Mm. And so he doesn't command us to do all those things. And so there's this nuance, I think, that's that's in there, where some would use this practice of descriptive versus prescriptive to say, you're being unreasonable. You're being legalistic. You're, you're making the Bible say something that it doesn't. When I would argue that by saying that, that, that there's nothing on that for me to have to do because it doesn't explicitly command me to do it. Um, you know, I think the, the picture that I like is if someone comes to my house and, you know, my son Joshua is there. And so a friend shows up. And I'm running late, so I'm not home yet. Joshua knows that when that person comes, hey, come in, have yeah. a seat. Can I give you something to drink? Can I, you know, uh, are you hungry? You know, I can get out some chips. He might just on his own, get out some snacks for that person. Because he knows like what his dad does when people come to his house.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I haven't commanded my son to do that. But because my son knows what I'm like and knows what our family is like, what our house is like, mm-hmm. he's he's doing things that I would do, you know, for people like I would do. And I think when we say that was descriptive, it's almost like, well, my dad, like if, if he said that to me, you know, Callister came by to visit, um, but I made him wait on the porch. What are you doing? Like mm-hmm. let him in? Well, you didn't tell me I had to right well, let him in, okay. I'll be there in just a minute. and Callister's standing at the inside of my house at the front door with his shoes on. Why didn't you tell him to come in and sit down? Well, you didn't tell me I had to you know what I mean? so I right. think there's some of this perspective of what does God say we have to do versus what is he like, and so then what are we like what What is he like in his home? and these passages that talk about this is what he's like, this is what he does. So the the fleece, is there a rule that every time God speaks to you, you put a fleece out to see what he says? No. Is it wrong to say, Lord, I want to make sure this is you and that I'm getting this right. Can you speak to me? Can you show me in some way that this, is that wrong?
1: Of course not. Right.
0: It happened in the Bible. <laughs> like, and, and so this idea that, it's It's only describing a thing that happened, therefore it's that's all it is. It's just history. I think it excuses us from a lot that we're called into, and it makes impersonal or unapplicable things that i mm-hmm. I believe are extremely applicable, yeah, does that make sense, or
1: yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense, yeah, I mean David and Goliath, like are we? you know, someone coming against the people of God or something, you know, or, or even just a, an idea or um, a cultural belief or a mindset, you know what I mean? It's like, it's so applicable for us to stand and, and say, no, like, yeah. you know, who is this, you know, to, to defy God and his armies. It's yeah. like, there's so much to take and learn. Um, and I was even reminded of, you know, just in, in talking about Jesus, the story of Jesus, he says, the father sends me. You know, I send you, um, and so yeah. I mean, how? What are some of the, what are some of the components as you're studying scripture, as you're diving into the Word of God? Um, you know, obviously finding and and studying who is being written to, what's happening culturally, like all that stuff is, I think, helpful in determining discerning what is descriptive versus prescriptive, what are some things, um, tools, you know, to help know the difference and to um again, not just putting it in these separate categories, but um being able to receive both in a healthy way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think there are there are clear commands in scripture that we should treat as clear commands in scripture where it says you know, you are to do this, right. you are to do this. And so I think we should do that. You know, when that's what it says, I think it's important for us to do it. I think when it isn't as clear, if our response then instead is, okay, God, what what do you want me to do with that?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: how how is that meant to impact my life? How is that meant to impact my thinking? How is that meant to impact my, instead of saying, oh, thank God, okay, that's just, that's just descriptive like that. That's just a thing that he asked somebody else to do. And, you know, thank God he didn't ask me because that seems hard. Yeah. And so I think looking at the word of God as it's teaching me something, it's showing me something, it's helping me with something. And so I think a great example, you go to uh, Acts 2, right? This is, if, if you Google YouTube, somebody to talk about descriptive versus prescriptive, yeah, I can almost promise you this in. is going to be one of the places that they're going to bring you to. So right. let me start Acts 2, 42 through the end of the chapter. So again, Acts chapter 2 is when Pentecost happens, Spirit of God comes, you know, fire falls on the heads of the disciples who are waiting in the upper room. They're speaking in language, they're speaking in tongues in languages they don't know. Thousands get saved, right? And then it kind of talks about what's happening after, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship. So that's, you know, the, these people that were in the upper room, Mm -hmm. the stuff that they're telling them, you know, obviously the 12 is implied in this, the, uh, to what they're telling them about what Jesus said, right. And to fellowship. So this is like a close community connection with each other to the breaking of bread. So this is a meal, but it's also talking about communion, and to prayer. So, these guys are extremely, like they're giving their life, they're devoted to apostles teaching, community with each other, meals and communion, and to prayer. In verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. 44, and And all those who believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. There isn't one word in that passage that says, "You must," right. I command you. So, it's descriptive. It doesn't have to impact my life in any way. It's just talking about something that happened. And what a terrible way to respond to Acts two forty-two through forty-seven. Right. Now, yes, if you respond to that and say, "Unless you do exactly what they did, you are disobeying what God said." No, I'm not saying that either. Mm-hmm but what are the components that are there? There was a devotion to, to God's word, to, to the teaching of Christ. Should I be devoted to this? You right. know, should I be encouraging a devotion to the teaching of Christ? For sure. Right. You know, they, uh, they, they were sharing meals together. Should we as Christians be sharing meals together? Every story or almost every story of Jesus talking to his disciples, these are taking place around tables. Right. So he modeled it. That was their experience. The early church is doing it too. But because of prescriptive versus descriptive, poof, I don't have to do it. Yeah. It's not commanded of me. You know, again, it's the son. Well, you didn't say I had to. Yeah. So Jesus did it. The disciples did it. The early church did it. But you don't. Don't worry about it. Right. It's kind of a strange decision to make based on this right. prescriptive versus descriptive rule, right? They uh, they met together in the synagogue. So they're going to church together, our, our version of, you know, like a Sunday service. They're doing something like that. They're meeting there mm-hmm. and they're meeting in their homes and they're having meals and taking communion together. So Jesus said, as often as you come together, do this in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. They're doing that as they're having meals together, but it doesn't command me. You see what I mean? Like there's...
1: It's we, it's, it's it's the son, you know, leaving the guests at the, you know... Right. At the doormat.
0: Right. And then it goes on to say that their love for each other was so amazing that it made their love for things even smaller. And so when they saw something that they owned as a solution to help someone that they loved, they did it. Yeah. Is it saying that you have to sell all of your stuff to give things to other people? No, it's not commanding you to do that. Should it be pretty normal in Christian circles that we would sacrifice something that we have in order to help somebody else? Yeah, it should be really normal. Mm-hmm. It should be a very common thing that takes place in the church. Uh, they, uh, what, What's the rest of it here? There was one more thing at the end that I wanted to touch on.
1: Breaking of bread. Selling their property, signs and wonders.
0: Yeah, signs and wonders. So God is moving miraculously. Right. Is it commanding that God move miraculously amongst the church? Or is it saying God wants to move powerfully? Like it should be... This was normal. Right. This was normal. And so our expectation of God moving powerfully is it, well I it was just describing what happened right and so my expectation that god wants to help this person heal this person do something you know move move powerfully in a way it's just a story about something that happened rather than how god moved how god established his church and then again the day by day continuing with one mind the unity uh gladness sincerity of heart i'm not commanded to be glad and sincere mm-hmm. you know so i i i just think the sometimes our tools, so there's a there's a word that's, it's a, it's not a bad word, it's a good word, hermeneutics, which is like a toolbox that you have for how you study the Word of God. And so one of the tools that you would have in the hermeneutics toolbox is let Scripture interpret Scripture. So like we've talked about before, so the, the Word is submitted to the sentence, the sentence to the verse, the verse to the chapter, the chapter to the book, the book to the Testament, the Testament to the Bible, right? So I don't just take a word and run with it. Like it needs so in the context of everything else that's being said, if this verse is talking about marriage, I should look at all the verses that talk about marriage and read them together. Not this one alone. Cause if it's speaking to, you know, this circumstance over here, and then I make a rule out of this circumstance instead of saying, okay, let's, let's see all of what it says. Um, that's that's a great hermeneutic tool that's a that's yeah. a great tool to have prescriptive versus descriptive again it's a great tool to have um but it's it's not it's not scripture it's yeah. a thing that helps us to read scripture it's a thing that helps us to hey as you're doing this pay attention you know pay attention to what it's yeah. saying you know uh, an eye for an eye. You know, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Like the it's not telling you to do these things. And so there's a reality of uh, of where this is a helpful thing to keep us grounded and seeing what's meant to be done there. But I, I think the outcome of this potentially helpful tool has become a pretty good size part of particularly the American church, I believe we have no expectations of God doing anything. We have extremely low expectations of other believers and anything that they do. And anytime someone says anything about God doing something amazing or someone doing something extremely sacrificial that we start throwing around language of like, Hey, that's unwise. Uh, you know, that wasn't prescriptive. It was just descriptive.
1: And it's... Or even like, yeah, like judging motives or... Right. You know, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, these guys traveled far to bring the gospel because they believed. therefore go and make disciples of all nations, yeah. you know? And uh, so they they believed the commission and the radical nature of what that requires of your life. And I feel like the prescriptive versus descriptive conversation that maybe started as a helpful thing has neutered the church in a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways to where everything miraculous that happens in the New Testament, if it doesn't attach to itself, you have to, then all we need to do is just know that it happened, not let it impact us. And even the things that were commands, we'll say, well, but in cultural, like you said earlier, yeah. culturally, they would, they had to do that. We don't, we don't have to do that. So the Acts 2, do you meet in homes or do you meet in churches? Which one do you do? Cause they met in homes and Paul said in Corinthians and other places to the church to meet in homes. Is there a rule that churches can only happen in homes?
1: No. Mm-hmm.
0: Should people being in your home be an extremely normal part of your Christian life? Yes yeah for sure, in the qualifications for elder elders and deacons, what does it speak about? How hospitable they are, mm-hmm. how they open up their homes to other people in the dedicates we've talked about where uh it was a normal thing to invite families into your home, yeah so is there a command that says how often and what it looks like and what it must be? yeah, I guess not there's not a There's not a rule for that, but the idea of a Christian being a part of a church community. And never inviting someone into their home and not, I would even go further and say, and not somewhat regularly having Mm. people in their home, I would say is violating what scripture says that we're supposed to do. Mm. So your home is a part of the church. Your home is a part of church community. But it doesn't say you can only meet in homes. And the moment that you meet in a building, you're not doing the right thing because it says they met in the synagogues and that's like a version of the church. So... Not being a part of a church do you, do you have to go to a synagogue for it to count? Hmm. No, there's not a rule that says if you don't if all you have is a church and a home that you can meet in awesome like that's great yeah. but but being a part, you know, don't forsake the gathering of believers beyond the one family that comes to your house or the two families that have come to your house, there's a greater church community that you're meant to be a part of, and I think out of a fear of not. Taking things that the Bible says and making everything prescriptive, which that's not good either i'm not I'm not saying I'm not advocating for that at all, but I think out of a a fear for falling into that ditch, so many in the church have taken this what could be a potentially helpful rule and run so far in another direction yeah that that it's removed right the beautiful call
1: that's on our lives as as believers, yeah something that was kind of stirring in my heart as you were talking about it, it's even it's like there's such a need to in, like invite the lord like, into this conversation into this this process of growth and maturity and and, and setting his word and just and cuz it's not just for head knowledge but it's to to form and shape our living and those around us, and so it's like even I was thinking about the analogy you were talking about earlier of like a son. Maybe the son would act like that, treat the guests like that, because they don't know what their father is like, right? And so just applying these principles of studying scripture, but never like inviting God into it or you know what I'm saying on yeah. on a very personal, like tangible level, like like that could also produce this um this disconnect um, of what it would mean. Is does it make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Like inviting God into that, um, so we know his like, we know his nature. We know like I know who my dad is like, yeah. and because I know him, um, I'm not just going to explain away these verses or these these fundamental truths that should impact me as a son because it's, it's who my dad is like, and I'm, I've been, I'm a part of his family, yeah. you know, but if, if, if that's not a real, um, anyway, talk about that. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's part of the beauty of how, you know, ev- everything in the word benefits us, you know, all, all of his attributes help us and help us see what he's like. I think you're know, one of the most profound, Parts to scripture that can be applied in almost all of these conversations, any conversation we've had so far is the the parable of the prodigal son. Um, You know, I think there's an element to that, that that many miss of the the lost coin and the lost sheep that lead into the story of the prodigal son, where the lost coin is lost in the home. So it's home, but it's lost. And, you know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. know that it's lost. And then you have the sheep that's gone off that's not home with the rest mm-hmm. of the sheep and so it's lost outside the home and knows it's lost and the the rejoicing with the coin being found the rejoicing of the sheep returning are yeah. those two stories and then it goes into the story of the prodigal son where you have the son that's out of the home and knows he's lost and is lost outside of the home but yeah. then you have the older son who's in the home but lost and right. uh, doesn't realize that he's lost and the The restoration of the son that's away and coming back, and then the end of the story: the father coming outside and restoring the older son. That mm-hmm. all of this is yours, man. Like you, you you've missed, yeah. you've missed what's been, you know, in front of you the whole time. And I think when we focus so much on "I'm in the house," well, I'll just put it this way: I think there are many in the church today that are the son in the home. Yeah. That they're maybe preoccupied with the son that's gone, um, paying real close attention to how our father responds when the son comes home, mm-hmm. comparing what I got versus what they got, and it's just a sad, a sad place to live. Where um, I don't know, maybe it's yeah. a, maybe it's a cheesy story, but I'll, I'll share it because it it helped me and impacted me the first time that I heard it. It's a made up story, I'm sure, but this guy in Europe, he buys a a ticket for a ship to come to the United States and he saves up everything he can, sells everything that he can so that he can afford this ticket, but it's just barely enough to buy the ticket. He doesn't have much left. And so he's got like a, like a loaf of of bread and like a block of cheese and he's got it in this bag and he's, you know, uh, he's going to make it last the whole long ship ride, you know, to the United States. And, and every time they open up, the the dinner hall he sees everybody in there just drinking these amazing things Mm. and eating these amazing things And he's like i'm gonna be grateful i'm gonna be grateful i'm gonna be grateful and you know and he munches away on his cheese and his bread and he's drinking water and you know days go by and the bread's not looking so good the cheese isn't looking so good and it's getting real hard to be content with what he has as he's looking Mm. into the the dinner hall and you know he's three-fourths of the way through the trip at this point and you know he's bread's moly, his cheese is turned, you know, and, and he's just sick of this food. And he's staring at all these people with so much joy, but he's just telling himself, but I'm getting to go to my destination and I'm going to make it. And then one day the captain comes out and says, man, I always see you out here. Why don't, why don't you come eat? Like, come on, like there's delicious food in here. He's like, no, I, I can't afford the food. I, I had enough just for the the ticket to get over here, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm content with my bread and I'm content with my cheese. And the captain says, man, the food's included. The cost of the ticket, like you could have been eating that the whole time. Like that was part of what was paid for when when you did it, and that's how I see a lot of Christians, mm -hmm. where they are so fixed on being content for the whatever they have, and when they see others with something different or something more, rather than it stirring something to invite them into the dining hall, there's like this weird. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to God doesn't have to move powerfully through me. Like I can just be content and knowing right. that I'm a Christian and I go to church and and it's not about that. Like it's right. included. It's it's part of what we're all called to. And I think yeah. sometimes like, this um where it's not personal, right. where it's not connected to him, where it's
1: Pre- like I think about presence, like God's presence, him being present with you in in that because I even think about, I was reminded of, even as you're sharing, like the the Pharisees, like for how how long was it, um, but absent the presence of God in yeah. the temple, what did they do? Like they created yeah. more and more rules and explaining things away or, or coming up with how they thought it should be to make, to try to ex- explain away or... I don't know. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like they established... That was no longer
0: the Ten Commandments. It was Commandment 1, subpart yeah. 7, sub-subpart, you know, 42. Yeah. Uh, you, you missed that one. But because they weren't hearing from God, they were making more rules, which is what people have always done. Right. When we're not hearing from God, when we're not connecting, you know, with God and and the personal aspect to it, we just... Create more rules to fill in the space of what relationship is meant to fill in. and so uh, it's a it's a, a sad a sad part to the church that I think God just wants to I, I don't just think God wants to break his church out of. yeah and again, it's all for his glory. man, being able to share the Word of God with someone in a way that helps them be excited about reading the Word of God. That will bless me if yeah. I get to be a part of that, no question. But what's exciting is that son or daughter is now they'll never be the same again. Yeah. Because of how they're able to read their word and, and enter into their word. That, that, that young believer that you help them to see that God has gifts for all of his people, that he yeah. wants to you know, move through your life uniquely— with a gift that he's put in your hands, that he empowers by his spirit, that will be used to help the church grow and move forward. That's not about me. I'm blessed because I got to be there to help them, but that's for the glory of God. And I think somehow in this, uh, there, there becomes this and again, there's some that take it the wrong way that, you know, God used me powerfully. That means, you know, I'm amazing and you're not. And you stood in front of a crowd of 20 and spoke. I stood in front of a crowd of 200 and spoke and all that stuff, super gross and wrong. It's not helpful. So, yeah, we don't want that. But I think there's this, there's just this strange disconnect of we so badly don't want to go there that we, we stay outside of where, where the sun that, yeah technically I'm a son but no feast for me no no place of honor for me no connection to the father for me and w- part of what I love about that story is just like the father ran to meet the prodigal son as he was coming home like he he didn't wait for him to all right make your case like let's see yeah. the prodigal son's coming home ready to say i'm trash i dishonored you i i don't deserve anything please let's just let me be a servant And the dad just steps over all of that, get his robe, get his sandals, put the ring on, like let's, let's, let's have a party. His extravagant response to step over all of that stuff. That's what our dad is like. Right. The other side to it is if you're the son who's in the house, it says that, you know, when, when the story started, when, when the party had started culturally, we know that the dad would be sitting at the, the head of the table, the place of honor for this. And there's aspects to culturally what that person does. And and you don't really leave that spot. But the older son went outside and he's grumbling outside, you know, and talking to the servant rather than to his dad, frustrated about his other brother. The dad leaves his place of honor. He walks outside to meet his son. Mm -hmm. So in a way, he was okay with looking and being dishonored, by his son should have been going to him, but he left his place to come to his son to bring restoration to him. And so, if you're far from God and this all seems impossible, turn to him and walk to him, he'll meet you there. If you're in the church and you've been in the house, but not understanding how this is for you and how, you know, yeah, maybe you're not commanded, but open up your heart to what God's wanting to do. Maybe it's describing something he did with somebody back then, but that's what he's like with his sons and his daughters, that he does amazing things through the lives of his kids. And so you're his kid. So he wants to do an amazing thing in your life too. And and when you begin to open up your heart to see that, like he'll come outside to meet you there too. It's it's not like one of them, he'll go out of his way to help you. And the other one, you got to figure it out for yourself. It's just—it's what he's like. He—he's so loving. He's so willing and wanting to help us to—to to get unstuck. And—and and again, let's not—let's not take things that the Bible says—and—and uh, and cause us to have a pressure that we're not meant to have, or an expectation on us to do something that it's not asking us to do. But also, let's not chop the Bible to a smaller pamphlet of the absolute commands and those are the things that we have to do and everything else we don't have to do and the moment that something is spoken about from a descriptive type scripture yeah that if we're immediately you know no 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 no. that's just that's history i don't have to do anything with it let's not do that either you know let's allow let's learn about what our dad is like let's learn from our brothers and sisters who've
1: and, and we've known him. And it doesn't even have to be, like, like, that loud. Right. You know, like, meaning, like, it can be subtle. Yeah. Like, it could be, like, this subtle, like, oh, no, like, that was just for... But then that, even just that little subtle thing can keep us from experiencing all that God wants right. for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just personally, I look at Paul's life and I saw you know, the the traveling that he did to help other churches. Man, I, I love the local church. And the idea of serving and helping other local churches is really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the opportunities I've had to be able to do that, I love. It's, yeah. it's been amazing. But I look at how Paul spoke to those local churches, right. how many names he used, how many the language he uses of the relationship that he has with them. I'm also challenged by this wasn't about him. You know, this, I mean, Paul's name was seen as someone who was an amazing, you know, gift to the church. And that's awesome. But when Paul was writing letters to the church, he was making much of God. But he was clearly so filled with love for these people. And so am I called to the Mediterranean area and Mesopotamia? And Mm -hmm. no, I don't think I am. So I don't have to do exactly what Paul did but is there an invitation for me to see that God wants me to help and love churches outside of just the community that I'm part of? Yeah. that's And how that, should I yeah. do that? The, like Paul did and, and loving them. And yeah. yeah,
1: go ahead. No, I just kept, that's the word I kept hearing, honestly, just in my heart, like throughout, you know, the second half of this conversation is invitation. Yeah. Like, like when prescriptive, descript, you know, whatever, it, it's an invitation. Yeah. You know, wh- if it's a direct command, if it's if it's clearly, you know, this is how we're to treat one another or how to, we're to handle conflict, very clear, you know, outline, there's an invitation yeah. or whether it's a story of Paul ministering and traveling, like there's an invitation to see a life yielded and a life, um, as he would say, compelled by love. Yeah. And it's like, there's an invitation there. Yeah. And like, yeah, so I, I just love that you use that word because there's the very word in my heart. It's cool when we approach scripture, when you approach, it's like, yeah. When
0: I, God, when you I, did these amazing things yeah. through him who was a son. I'm a son.
1: Yeah. What, what amazing things do you want to do through me? What are you inviting me into? Yeah. How, so then that kind of leads. I guess, I mean, maybe that's the answer, but like, what are, what's a, what's a test? How can I test my own heart? How can I, like, what are things, how do I know if, if I'm using prescriptive descriptive as I'm, I'm allowing it to bring me into something beautiful or how do I know that it's um, I'm using it to shut my heart off to something God's wanting to invite me into. What are ways that you would encourage me in that? Um, What are ways you've pushed through where you've maybe been stuck there in the past? Um, Does that make sense? That question. Yeah, Yeah. I think, how do I know if I'm doing that or not? Yeah,
0: I think when we're reading the word as historical information to be processed, we should, we should never do that. We should never read the word as historical information to to just learn. We should always be reading the word. Like, maybe this would be a helpful picture. If I'm sitting in the living room with my grandpa and he's telling a story about when he was younger and you know what he did in this war he fought in or this you know how he grew up in the middle of nowhere in this area and and he's saying this is what I did and this friend that was with me and here's how we did this and you know the snow was coming down but we were able to do this and i am i am hearing about who he is and what he's like and i, I an access to a to a dream or a perspective or a possibility that wasn't there before is now being unfolded in my heart. Mm. And that he actually did this and it's because of what he's like and what he's capable of. I'm listening to that story and I'm just like, man, my cramp is so cool. Like I, I love learning. I mean, you have like this, world-renowned grandpa like so you know this well he did amazing things militarily and yeah you know just the the impact the man made like as you listen to his story when he was around or his stories now it stirs something in you yeah that's how we're supposed to read the word Hmm. that this is our father our heavenly father this is what i'm this man before you were born i did this wow you know when Man, before like way before you can even imagine, this was a super long time ago. Yeah. But I had this son that I told it, man, I wanna, I wanna do this through your life. And oh man, you should have seen his face. He was like, There's no way I can do that. And I'm like, Yeah, like what you said to me yesterday, there's no way I can do that. Well, he felt that way too. But now you know the end of his story. Yeah. You know, when Moses said, like, there's no way I can do that. I can't even speak. And like, you know, yesterday, Daniel, when I was talking to you about what I've asked you to and how you were giving me all these reasons. Moses felt that way too. Okay. And so man like that that's super different. Yeah. And I think when we stay when we stay in that place, when we read his word in that place, prescriptive and descriptive will help us sure, but not not in a way that closes doors, but in a way that just kind of puts some guardrails up for us to keep us from going places that we shouldn't. And mm. I think that's that's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's so good, man. Is there any like final thoughts on like, on, you know, or or resources or tools that, you know, that the guardrails, or you know, is there anything, any final thoughts on, on this conversation?
0: Yeah. That? I would, I would just encourage anybody, you know, again, we should be in the word. You should be reading the word. You should be, you know, loving the word and seeing, you know, just having, having a, a desire and a consistent appetite, you know, just to be in the the word. But maybe just have like uh, an internal alarm, maybe even a practice that you put into place where you read the word and you walk away with zero application to your thought life or to your understanding of what God is like, go back and try again, or don't move on until you do. And so maybe just to practice after your reading, just to write down, like when, when God is speaking to me, I I can trust his voice more than my circumstances. Or uh, sometimes when God asked people to do things, there was no obvious way that it was going to happen, mm-hmm. but they believed him anyhow. And so I want to be the kind of believer, a Christian that when God calls me to something that I don't stare at how it could maybe happen or not, but I really cling to what he said and, and just Find the application, find the personal connection, find the, the, the connection to him and what he's like and, and what he's done and what he's doing through his people. And, and so prescriptive, descriptive, sure, but all beneficial, all building, all personal, all, uh, all impacting. Yeah. And if we see the word that way,
1: I think it'll, it'll help us not to fall into one of these ditches. Yeah. Um, I did have one more one more thought and question for someone who like if i'm if I'm wanting to as I'm diving in, as I'm doing what you just described, um, i i you know, I didn't live in Ephesus, you know, hundreds of years ago. so like i you know what are what are some resources or tools or or things that would be helpful for me to understand like what was happening in that city? what was, you know, what was Paul? you know, addressing specifically, I mean, even this last Sunday, it was just beautiful, you know, you dove into what was happening at the time, and that's also helpful, I think, in part of even, um, of walking through, you know, what, all of it is going to mean something for me, right, Uh, all of it's going to impact my life moving forward, and also there's specific things that were being addressed and talked to, what are some good resources or tools, things that you've gone to that we can go to?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, commentaries, I think, is kind of the short answer to that where there's a lot of, I mean, there's, like we talked about this Sunday, we're in First Timothy, you're looking at the Temple of Artemis or Diana, that parts to that are still around. If you go to that place today, there's still people selling little trinkets of Diana that wow. like you can you know, by, I'm not saying you should, you shouldn't, but like right. that, that, there's, there's evidence still in those places. And so historical context, I would say one, one guy that if you haven't heard of him um, that I would really recommend is a guy named Josephus mm. that was a kind of a historian of that time. He's a you know, early church time period. Um, they're talking about, here's what's happening in these different areas, cultural contexts and things like that, that, sometimes having some because there's things in the bible that we read and we're like oh that's weird but it was actually a really big deal you know like the father leaving the table and some of those things so yeah those are great i i would just caution to say like 90 95 percent of your diet should be bible and then five to ten percent commentaries and those other things because um they can be a pretty easy distraction yeah so that's awesome. Well, thank you, Andrew. It yeah. was a really cool conversation and pray it's been helpful for others too. And uh, if you have any questions, again, as always, please email us, let us know. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram, YouTube. I uh, appreciate your comments, questions To we can integrate into future episodes. And uh, yeah, follow us on uh, our podcast on Spotify or Apple podcast, and we'll be releasing new episodes every Wednesday. So thanks for hanging out with us, Andrew. It's been awesome yeah. this conversation and we'll... See you guys next time.
1: I'm not searching for some new truth i just longing for the true You can't help but notice There's something missing Would you help us get on? Would you help us get on?